You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 250th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 842nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of May 12th, 2022. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Alrighty. Um, well, tonight's banner moment is going to be a little different uh, than what we normally do, uh, a little more difficult than what we normally do. Uh, but I want to share some sad news that hit our Assembly Call family recently. Uh, those of you who are in uh, the private community uh, know this. Some of you may not, but Andy's dad, uh, Larry Bottoms, died a few weeks ago at the age of 71. Uh, needless to say, it has been a rough time for Andy and his family. Uh, and he's obviously taken some time last week, this week, uh, to be with his family. He'll be back here on the show whenever he is ready, uh, obviously taking as much time as he needs. And, you know, like so many of us, Andy became a lifelong IU fan because of time that he spent as a kid with his dad, with his parents, going to IU football and basketball games. Uh, Larry was born in Ohio. He lived most of his life in Ohio, including a stint as mayor uh, of the town Orwell that he lived in. But he attended school at IU. He graduated in 1972, and his love for the Hoosiers endured for the rest of his life. So we dedicate this banner moment, we dedicate this episode of the Assembly Call uh, to Larry Bottoms, to his wife Peggy, and to Andy, Jen, uh, and their two daughters, Hannah and Mallory, which so many of you here on the show have heard about and know about. Uh, it's been a tough couple of weeks for the family, so please keep them in your thoughts and prayers. And I do know this, you know, when IU does hang its next banner, you better believe that we'll be thinking about Larry uh, and how happy he'd be to see his Hoosiers winning it all again. Rest in peace, Larry. You raised a hell of a son, and, uh, and we are proud to call him a friend. Okay, uh, to my left this evening, he is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana. He is the founder of Delphi Bracketology, and he is Fran McCaffrey's number one fan. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Well, there are several things. First of all, to Andy and his family, uh, you know, just our thoughts and prayers. And, and it's good to have a community. One of the, the blessings of the Assembly Call community is to help each other get through uh, tough times. Uh, usually that's just basketball, but a lot of times uh, life throws you some uh, curveballs. And, and, and it's just nice to be able to, to be there for Andy. We wish nothing but the best. Can't wait to get him back. Uh, on on the show uh, from an Indiana basketball perspective just keep getting impressed or being impressed with what coach Woodson's doing with his hires uh, the recruits uh, moving up in the 
the rankings, the two, four, seven rankings is exciting. It just, the, the, the direction of the program is, is on the uptick and that's, that's just so, so exciting. We have a lot of questions that are still out there about roster construction. Uh, soon uh, guys will be coming back to campus or coming to campus for the first time to start their workout. So even though we're a long way away from November, there's a lot to talk about and, and a lot of um, uh, good things uh, happening for Indiana basketball. Absolutely. All right. And to my right, he is a senior writer for the big lead and he remains the self-appointed shot doctor in waiting for Indiana basketball, even though they just hired Jordan Hulls, he's still maintaining that he is next in line to be the shot doctor. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Brian, do you have a, a rant or a rumination for us this week? This is so great. Ryan muted. He's just talking. We can see Sorry. the words. Coming. Sorry. Hey, it's been two weeks since we've done a show, guys. It's We're all a little rusty. As you don't need to apologize. Late. I think everyone was enjoying it. Uh, uh, apologies for the uh, video quality for those watching. I'm in my parents' guest room for hopefully just another week. I was going to um, say, usually the camera puts on 20 pounds. It appears that it's taken off like 50. That's, yeah, it's actually real, though. It's In <laughs> fact, it's probably added on an extra 10, but I'm still at like 40 lost, so we're good. Um, yeah, I think that the, you, you touched on it. The Jordan Hulls news is great for everybody. I think that I, we've talked about it for years on here, and I think I've dropped it a number of times. If Jordan Hulls eventually get a coach at Indiana, right? Like, you know, as an assistant or, or something. I mean, it's just the, the, the marriage is perfect given who he was, the kind of cerebral player he was, uh, the coaching lineage of his family, the way he grew up, everything about Bloomington, his family, all that. Um, uh, it's, it's a great, it's great news for the Hoosier basketball. I will say though, as a shot doctor, I don't think Jordan should be teaching people his motion. That's it's, it worked for Jordan, but you would never teach somebody to shoot that way. Um, he can teach it to go in. That's true. Yeah. Now that part I agree with, coach. You teach teach the release point yeah. and on from there. Confidence nothing before that, yeah, nothing before that, and and of course confidence. So, um, no, I think that that uh, it, that's just a great move. It's a good Hoosier story right now to have him back. I mean, the guy was still actually being pretty successful in Europe. So um, it's interesting that he just decided, hey, it's time to hang it up. I know there's probably family issues there. You know, just wanting to be back home and. Uh, and he gets to raise his kids in, in Bloomington for now, at least. And uh, it, it's really, really a nice, uh, a nice story. Rick Bozich had a really good piece on it. I mean, he, I don't think he was thinking about hanging it up, but he said when this opportunity came up, it was reason enough to do it. I mean, he said there wasn't much that could get him to retire early, but this was an opportunity he couldn't pass up. So happy to have him. And we'll obviously be talking about that more uh, as we go through tonight's show. Here's what we have on tap. Segment one, we're going to kind of go rapid fire through a bunch of Hoosier headlines. You know, we haven't been here in three weeks, however long it's been. So a lot has happened. We're going to get caught up on all those important stories. Then in segment two, we're going to linger on a couple of the most important headlines from the last couple of weeks, namely Jordan Hulls being hired, Trace Jackson Davis going to the Combine. What does that mean for the near future, for the long-term future for Indiana basketball? And then in segment three, uh, we've got a ton of questions that you all submitted, and so we will get to those, all of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let us talk about our presenting sponsor. Home 
this edition of, the, of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. Beloved logos, like two different versions of the Bison and so many others. And they just did a refresh. So they've got three new designs there. Uh, a, a new hoodie that looks incredible. I mean, it's home field, so they don't miss. Uh, and they continue to release new schools. They've got new announcements all the time. You got to make sure you're following them on social media at Home Field Apparel. And really, you almost have to check like once a week, once every couple weeks, because they have new stuff coming all the time. And it's not just for Indiana. It's not just for schools in Indiana. They've got 130, 140 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. So if you're looking for gifts, Homefield is the place to go. And no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable. The colors are going to last through many washings. And you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. And that is what it's all about. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, well, let's go through some headlines, guys. Uh, first headline, Jeremy Gray announced as the permanent public address announcer at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, replacing the legend Chuck Crabb. I think I speak for all of us when I say an excellent choice. We fully support it. Uh, Jeremy Gray has obviously meant a ton to Indiana sports, uh, and he did a great job. Uh, you know, friend of the program. The, friend of the program. Did a great job with the time that he had. Uh, you know, it would have been interesting to see maybe a uh, a mic off between Jeremy Gray and Galen Clavio, the other voice of, uh, of Indiana sports. But given Jeremy's seniority uh, and the work that he put in doing it, I don't think they could have gone with a better choice. So he was great early this year. Let's be real. He was excellent yeah. relief and, um, and very excited for Jeremy. And uh, he's always been great to us and uh, it's a good dude. So feel happy. Saw it's him at, uh, easy to feel happy for good people. Yeah. Yes. Saw him at victory field when IU played um, their annual game there, uh, got it going again. And he sat down across the aisle and our whole group asked him to say sophomore. And he turns <laughs> around and he says it right there in, in the victory field. And I said, you know what, Jeremy, we need that drop on the assembly call. We so do. We need this to be able was to he hit that. Meetup? And he said, get a hold of him. So, yeah, he and he's a friend of the program. So we have to have Jeremy on and, or at least get a, get a drop for the sophomore. We do. I couldn't, okay. I, I couldn't uh, remember if he was at this meetup or the last one, but I think he was, it was this yeah, he comes, he yes, comes he all was. the time. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it has to do with Indiana sports, he's supporting it, and that's what makes him great. So congratulations to Jeremy. Very good choice by Indiana. Uh, next headline, uh, Dexter Dennis announced his final six. He's set to announce, I believe, tomorrow where he is going to go. And from everything I have seen, he is not coming to Indiana. I think I saw nope. Jeff Rabjohns report that. It may have been reported elsewhere. So this doesn't seem like one that Indiana fans need to pay any attention to. Is that what you guys are seeing as well? Yeah, I uh, I think three maybe three weeks ago maybe I guess it was I, I think that everybody was really hot to connecting him to IU, but I also think that now uh, the feeling is certainly shifted, um, and I think that you know, he wasn't a big need for Indiana. I, I just didn't feel that way. You know, if the if the defense had been horrible, maybe you say we need a guy a, a guard who can get into people on the perimeter, and and you know he's a great defender. Don't get me wrong; you'd love to have a great defender like that. But that's not where Indiana's needs lie. Indiana could use another shooter if you're going to go get somebody. And so, um, and he's not that. So uh, I, I think that 
it was the kind of thing where maybe they were hot on him in the beginning and, and it just kind of, and maybe he was hot on Indiana and his interest faded too, but I think that cooler heads have prevailed here and think that it's just not a match match for, for either side of this equation. Recruiting it, is, it's so it fluctuates too, because Renault came in and that changes the dynamics of, of your depth a little bit. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, Geronimo wants to play a, a little more on the perimeter. So you have those kinds of things, but we've talked a lot about, you got to play your, your athletes. You got to play your young guys and live through some of that, the, their, their difficulties early. If he comes, he's going to play an awful lot. Uh, and that might get in the way of, uh, of some serious on-court minutes for uh, some of the guys, you know, that, that we want to see get, get minutes. And obviously those young guys have to earn it. Um, so we would have taken him because he's a high quality player, a defender, but he says, no, that's not even a, a blip in, in what the goals for Indiana should be next year. I think you very easily could argue, you know, how he would benefit Indiana and you very easily could argue how, how Indiana will be fine without him. And what that means is he wasn't really a guy who was going to move the needle. Um, and, you know, so I think, yeah, you don't have this all-conference defensive player, but, you know, he was going to take minutes from a Trey Galloway and from guys like that. And so let's see how those guys develop. And we have a question you felt that like kind of deals with that later. You did kind of – it did kind of have the feeling that if he was added, you know, somebody else was going. And it could be somebody that was maybe more useful to Indiana that would be leaving if he came. Yeah. I don't have I don't have any specifics on that, but it's just the general feeling I guess related to that. And plus, and if not other- now, maybe later on too. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. you know, you, you lose a guy because of that, and he was a one-year guy because he's a grad yeah. transfer. And look, if Trace comes back, we don't have room. And I'm on record as saying, even though I think De- Dennis was an interesting fit, if you really wanted to double down on your defense and create maybe a top five defense in the nation, he was an interesting add for that point. But if it would mean that you had to get rid of somebody that has kind of grown and kind of built this chemistry that Indiana has, I wouldn't have wanted that. So anyway, yeah. we don't need to waste any more time on it because he's not coming. Well, and we can all one last on. thing. One last thing about that, Jared, is if you get a guy like that, you're probably promising he's going to start, which yeah. means that you have to take Jalen Hochefino or uh, uh, Tamar Bates out of the starting lineup. You know, yeah, he's, not that le- he's not that level of player. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, uh, next up, the final 24-7 sports recruiting rankings are out. All four of Indiana's incoming freshmen get the four-star label. So a little disappointing, I guess, from the Jalen Huchifino, Malik Renault standpoint, because they were kind of borderline four or five-star guys, but C.J. Gunn jumps up from a three to a four. You had Jalen Huchifino at number 23, Malik Renault at number 34, Caleb Banks, number 77, and C.J. Gunn, number 107. What I thought was especially interesting uh, was they do a superlatives article. This is Kevin Flaherty from 24-7 Sports. They've got a whole bunch of different categories, you know, best player, best shooter, best shot blocker, like all these different things. And two of Indiana's recruits found themselves in there. And I think the categories that they were named in are really interesting. So for the Swiss Army Knife, Flaherty named Jalen hood Shafino because he can do so many things offensively. He can do so many things defensively. He's really going to be able to fit in, whether you need him as a backup point guard, running your team, playing off ball, doing a lot of different things. He can do it. And then I think the one that should get a lot of Indiana fans excited is in the category multi-year star, it was Malik Renault because of everything he brings to the table, but it not necessarily projecting right away to the NBA because he doesn't have above-the-rim athleticism. But he's got great footwork. He's a good defensive player, high IQ, all of those things. 
where he really projects as a three, four year player that maybe other recruits are ranked above him talent wise, but in terms of total production as a collegiate, you know, he may surpass those guys because he's around longer. And that's how you build really good college programs. Yeah, Jared, I think there's a difference between upside and value to a college program. Yeah. And getting a guy who's going to be around two, three years, while he may not be Anthony Davis, five-star, amazing. I always use Anthony Davis as the example because he's the guy who was the all-everything guy who came in and won a national title and then left. I mean, you can do that about Carmelo too, someone like that. You get a huge value there in winning a national championship. You can't replace that. But you get guys who don't – if you don't win a title with some of those guys and they leave after one year, you'd much rather have the guy that's around two to three years and providing long-term value to you. And so some of these recruits are maybe not the five-star guy but have more value to you than a five-star would over the course – value to your program. Maybe not to the next year's team but to the program. And it's all about building that sustainable – program and i'll say this about about huchifino being the swiss army knife because you, you brought that up uh he can play all three positions on the perimeter likely with his six five you know probably be about 215 by the time he plays next year frame he can play all three positions he could probably defend all three positions on the perimeter renault again you know i think there's upside here as a college player uh maybe not the nba you know as they as they, they mentioned but that guy, if he could shoot, he could be an NBA player. If he can develop a jumper, he, he could be an NBA player. But there is so much. And I think Huchifino's sort of in the same boat, is that he's not going to be a one-and-done. I mean, unless something crazy happens, and it's probably really good news for Indiana, I, he's not a one-and-done. And so you get both of those guys from multiple years, you're, you're recruiting value. guy like Caleb Banks, who's on the way up, I mean, he's gotten better and better and better over the last 18 months. Another value pickup. Uh, C.J. Gunn, a guy who's improved tremendously over the last two years since he committed. Another value pickup. So you're, you're adding value, maybe not as much professional upside, maybe not as much one-year upside, but it's about building, you know, and we talked about this with Malik Renault. Your job as a college coach is to win college basketball games. You'd like to prepare you guys for the next level. It makes your uh, It makes your program more attractive. But if you're just a development machine – there's no upside for the for the fans or for the program. You need to do both because it looks good when you have players in the NBA. But your job is to win college basketball games. And if you bring in value that's going to be there for a while, you extend the likelihood that you're going to win college basketball games. And that's and that's, you know, what I feel like Mike Woodson's recruiting strategy has been. Maybe get these guys to the NBA and develop them and make them better. But you got to you got to win first and foremost before you can worry about that. Oh, the Kentucky fans in the audience nodding furiously as Ryan makes that point. <laughs> Coach, Absolutely. your thoughts. I mean, on... <laughs> you look at that example. That's what it is. Your thoughts on the incoming class. Want to just, you know, look at look at the back end, the jump that C.J. Gunn made after he get, overcame his injury. He just had a phenomenal year, uh, senior year in, in high school, some high-scoring, uh, you know, games. That – that I don't know how that translates right away, and I doubt that it does right away in major minutes. But there's a guy that can can develop, and you never know when they start that development. But it it meets Coach Woodson's strategy of getting guys that can shoot, score, drive, multi-dimensional players into the program. And the other thing we've always said for a long time: you want to win in college basketball, you got to get old, stay old, and then sprinkle it in with talent. You're building that depth 
um, that you'll have guys there for three or four years that can play the game. And then you sprinkle them in with one or two year players uh, and complement each other. And I think coach Woodson's well on his way, but you know, Tyler makes a good point in the chat. No one's really talking about banks now that we got the, the two guys from Mount Verde, but banks is just unbelievable on film. And as every freshman, how does that translate to the college college game? And every school loves their incoming recruits. Um, but it might just be the best NBA prospect of the four, actually. By, yeah, by the time uh, everything plays out. But again, there's times to come in and make your move and pop for a game or two and develop as freshmen. And then, you know, those players are really going to be good as they develop sophomore, junior year uh, for Indiana. So this is an exciting class. Uh, and Coach Woodson, again, off the court um, and, and winning this year, he's just doing a lot of things really, really well. And I think this recruiting class is one of them. Uh, you want my new player comp for CJ Gunn? So back we're going to get it anyway, oh, whether well, we want to get it or get not. It. You're going to get it whether you want it or not. Right. I was looking, I was looking back, you know, he's ranked 107, and I was looking back at some of the players that have been ranked around there, like in the hundreds to 120. And man, you've had some good players in there from the Big Ten. I know we don't like him, but Brad Davidson, uh, Xavier Tillman, Luca Garza, like on and on. There's a lot of players that have been really good three, four-year Big Ten players that were ranked in there. But there was one guy not from a Big Ten school ranked in there that I thought really was a good comp, and that's Corey Kispert, who played at Gonzaga. Similar size, shooter, quickness, ranked kind of about the same way. Now, he didn't do much his first couple seasons, but then really exploded as a junior and a senior. Uh, and I think when you look at maybe the upside for what C.J. Gunn could be, assuming his shot translates, uh, you know, and he's able to defend at a decent level, I think that's a guy that uh, that you could look at. Uh, maybe he won't be, you know, quite at that level, but if he can get to 80-90% of that, that'd be a pretty good player for Indiana. So great class. I know we're all really excited about those guys. Uh, next headline, how about the schedule that is shaping up for next year? We already knew about the Kansas game, which is going to be fantastic. But we found out that Indiana is going to play Arizona on December 10th in Las Vegas. The long-awaited Miller matchup, Miller Bowl, Miller Madness between Sean Miller and Archie Miller. Well, they're not here to coach in it, but the two schools uh, will will do it. Uh, in Vegas, I don't know. We always plan our meetup for Bloomington. And maybe we'll do a meetup in Bloomington, but maybe we might have to make a little detour to Vegas and uh, and watch that game. Thoughts on Indiana facing Arizona? And look, I mean, we all know Indiana has to be in these games, right? And part of the reason for leaving the Crossroads Classic is so that you can get into a higher profile game with when the opportunity cost is playing Butler that doesn't, you know, look to be very good this year. And now you can face Arizona and what will be a national TV game against a high profile program. This is what Indiana needs to do. Smart scheduling and a great matchup for the Hoosiers. Yeah, I, I think that you've seen the schedule come back to bite Indiana a few times in the past. And I think this is definitely a reaction to that is by beefing it up. And if you are going to be relevant nationally and let that's where this program is hoping to go, you got to be part of that conversation. And you see Michigan State, North Carolina, Duke play these high profile, Kentucky play these high profile matchups in arenas, in, you know, sometimes in domes, like wherever. They play them at you know neutral site venues, whatever, uh, to pump it up. And and Indiana's if Indiana wants to be in the national conversation, it needs to start doing that. It's certainly better than playing Marshall. You know, I mean, what does that do for you at the end of the year? Um, 
even if you lose those games, you get tested, you play great teams, and then you enter the Big Ten, you know, armed and ready with uh, a little bit. You know, there's not, there's not an adjustment period when you get into the Big Ten if you're playing these big teams. Now, you learn sure, about your team. You know what yeah. you got. And you know, you know who will jump up, who will be able to handle that level of pressure in a way you don't get when you're playing a sub 300 level team um, that feels like a glorified practice coach, your thoughts and the bracketology impact. Yeah. It's just huge from a bracket. Cause, cause you're not losing anything regardless of the outcome. I mean, a loss uh, at Kansas is not going to look bad on your resume. Um, a mid tier uh, big 12 or ACC like Syracuse loss didn't help Indiana. You got you're going to play some of those or be scheduled in some of the the conference matchups, but by scheduling this purposely, you have a chance. You win one, that's staying with you from a bracketology standpoint. From a program standpoint, that's another reason you want to come to Indiana is to play in these big games. We used to have Kentucky on the schedule. Uh, th- those things matter, um, and I don't know if they matter a whole lot in, in recruiting, but you've got to get on television and you've got to be in some of these marquee events um to to push yourself forward you, you've seen years where maybe a, a Michigan State loses some of these games but they still end up with a halfway decent seed in the in the tournament it, it just is the right thing to do and if you're going to get rid of the crossroad classics which a lot of people like to attend and thought it was good it just ran its course scheduling teams like this and you still have the ACC challenge which I would imagine Indiana is going to get a top two or three matchup there you've already got three high ca- caliber games and those are good to judge your team because the Big Ten's been brutal. And I, I think the Big Ten's going to be down a little bit, but it's still a brutal run through 20 games. These games will help prepare you for that without damaging uh, the, the resume. So it's just a, a no-brainer. It's exciting. I'm trying to find some money to either go to, you know, Kansas or to to Vegas uh, and, and watch the Hoosiers. So it's Ladies good. Ladies and gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Tonsoni Unleashed in Vegas is a documentary <laughs> waiting to happen. Just if anybody wants to shoot it out there, get in touch with us. Oh, it'll, it'll be epic. It would be <laughs> epic. Yes, it would. Um, okay, we've still got a few more headlines. We're going to get through those. We're going to talk about some NIL stuff, and then we'll talk about Trace Jackson Davis getting invited to the Combine, what we think about his stay-or-go decision, and more on Jordan Hulls coming home. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hope he's okay. Did not. Look hey, this good. was this was really cool. Um, 
for for the people in the chat mob and, and and watching and Jared knows this I had done a little bit of baseball podcasting back in 2018 when coach Lamonis was in the last year never met coach Lamonis never interviewed him no, nothing personally but somehow he saw that I was I tweeted out that I was wheels were rolling and he got a hold of me and asked for my cell number and he took care of me got me some good seats to, uh, of the underground lodge where uh, they they have food and everything and then Roger Rhoda Aver, um, the director of basketball operations, gets a hold of me Friday night and offers a free tour of the Duty Noble field, which is the most uh, iconic college baseball field. And it just speaks volumes to what Indiana, they were only here for a short time coaching, but the connections matter. And I was a lucky recipient of their gracious hospitality um, to, to be able just to enjoy a couple games of SEC baseball and Mississippi State baseball from guys that uh, I had never met before, but the Indiana connection was was really cool, and, and that's I think that speaks of Indiana athletics. Uh, and and there's a connection, and he uh, he actually waved me down Saturday night uh, to come down to the field and and talk to him on the front row, and said he misses his time at Indiana and really enjoyed it, and but he enjoyed Mississippi State winning the College World Series a little bit better, but. Um, I thought that was a pretty cool thing that a major coach like that didn't have to do for a guy like me. So man, think that, that's about pretty that, cool. Coach. Think about that. If he treated you like that, right. He doesn't really have a personal connection with you, but he goes out of his way to make you feel special. Think about how he makes the people that work for him feel his players, their families. Yeah. That's why that guy is successful. I mean, anymore in coaching, it is so much more about the relationships because everybody's attention is bifurcated, but if you're going to be a coach, you've got to be able to have people's attention, get them to listen and care about your message. How do you do that? Have a relationship. So they care about you. They know that you care. They'll stop and listen when you talk to them. I mean, that story right there, yep. I mean, it speaks, I know it has nothing to do with baseball, but it speaks volumes no. about why he's successful and what he does. Cause they it didn't really have does. to do that. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm driving down highway 65 and all of a sudden I see on my dashboard, some odd number from Louisville, and I happened just to pick it up. Hey, Coach Lamonis here, Brian. How you doing? What? Why are you contacting me? I want to get <laughs> you some tickets and some it's passes amazing, into man. the suite. So it was really cool. And I tell you what, those people love their baseball down there. The outfield is set up with all the patios and the grilling, and their a couple of their fans reached out, so I got to go stand out there and and help them cook a little bit. And it, it's a tremendous um, tremendous atmosphere down there in, in the SEC land. Yeah, that's awesome. It was a good uh, time. Okay, let's hop in to segment two. We'll talk. We'll start out talking NIL stuff. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> this is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips, and we are continuing our run through all the headlines that have happened since our last show. There have been a lot of them. Uh, guys, let's talk about NIL real quick. Obviously, there have been tons of headlines, you know, when it comes to NIL from the crazy story with Nigel Pack, uh, you know, getting $800,000 across two years and, you know, the I don't, Ruiz or whatever the guy's name is, the booster at Miami, tweeting it out and, you know, really wanting it out there. And then the other Miami player basically saying, you know, well, hey, I need to get more. I mean, it's just it really kind of created a firestorm and I think opened people's eyes to 
okay, things are a little different now. This really is kind of the wild, wild west. And this week, the NCA Board of Directors finally issued some some name, image, likeness guidance. Now there was guidance already. There were some rules in place, uh, you know, that schools were supposed to follow, um, but no one was really clear on them. No one quite knew what enforcement was going to be like, and you know, this new statement by the the Board of Directors you know, it was kind of meant to kind of point to those. And it's like, hey, make sure you're following those. You know, the big thing is, you know, when it comes to recruiting, you know, boosters and NIL collectives are considered boosters, can't be involved in the recruiting process or providing benefits to prospective student athletes, because that's been a big question. You know, recruits are going to want to know what the NIL opportunities are and what are the rules there. You know, and I think Nick Saban was saying this is, you know, become a recruiting tool and that's not what it was supposed to be. So it still kind of feels like we're in the gray a little bit on what's allowed and what's not, but the NCA is trying to, you know, to, to, I don't know, to make sense of it and give some guidance. Um, but it does feel like it's lacking, uh, still, um, Brian, you wanted to, I know you had some thoughts on this and there were some comments happening in the chat. What are your thoughts on what's going on right now with NIL? Yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> The NCAA abdicated all responsibility when this started. When the when the Alston case was decided by the Supreme Court, the NCAA basically just said, you said there were some guidelines already, Jared, that was the thinnest possible thing. The NCAA basically said, eh, fine, do what you want. We but don't they care. at least said it wasn't supposed to be used as an enticement for recruiting. Like, I think that was in there as a guideline. But they didn't really put a whole lot of rules. They didn't really put rules together. They just kind of said... This is how we feel about this. The conferences and states will come up with the rules is what they said. They abdicated responsibility and passed the buck to somebody else. And the reason why is because they were angry that they lost the case. And and they just sort of said, ah, screw it. You want free for all? Here's a free for all. They could have come out and said, okay, here's the thing. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. But players can go directly to advertisers and make money once they're at school. Like they could have put some kind of guidelines in place they could have put hard rules in place and guess what courts wouldn't have been able to argue against that because the kids still would have been able to own their own name image and like this it wasn't even about the kids making money off of it it was the fact that they found that the ncaa has no right to own the 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 player's name image and like this they have no right to it And, and regardless of what they said they have no right to it so the fact that the NCA just said, forget it, whatever, you want a free-for-all, here's a free-for-all. And I think it was a bit of a strategy. They wanted a free-for-all, and then they wanted everybody to complain about it. Well, here's the thing. All the NCA has to do, name image, image like this is never going away. It is here for good. And the reason why is because the Supreme Court said so. You know, courts have ruled repeatedly that the universities have no right to own that and make money off of somebody else's, you know, it's not like they're already making money off of their labor you know, by playing in games and not giving kids a, a cut of the tickets or, or whatever, but they don't have a right to market those people and make money off of that. That's essentially what it is. And so the NCA could have immediately come out with robust guidelines and said, yeah, we know this is going to happen. We don't want it to taint the product too much. Here's what we do. Instead, they didn't do that. And yeah, people are complaining about it because essentially what's happening is there are a lot of enticements to go to certain schools because there are no guardrails in place. They put some this week, but it's going to take a lot more than just saying, well, we're going to enforce this. Uh, you know, enforcement staff will investigate this or whatever. But it's still incredibly vague. I wrote about it this week. 
They're trying it, you know, and, and this is their, I think it's their ability to try and close Pandora's box that they opened by not putting rules in place. And so you've got conferences trying to do it. You've got the, the state of California has its own rules or whatever. If the NCA just came out with guidelines, said, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And we can argue those. And maybe one of them is too harsh and we'll chop that one off and maybe modify it. That's all the NCAA had to do. But as has been its entire history, the NCAA did the wrong thing and it continues to do the wrong thing. And you can bet. The screw up with NIL is one of the reasons Mark Emmer is leaving pretty soon. You think he wants to give up that cushy job where he does nothing and makes a lot? No, they know it's a joke and they look terrible. And all they had to do was do what they're supposed to do and be the governing body and issue some governance over this. And they opted not to. And so everything that they complain about and they're, they're you know, all these people are upset about that belong, university presidents are at fault because they're dealing with the NCAA constantly. All they had to do was demand that, and they didn't. And so that we are where we are um, because the NCAA failed to lead yet again. I mean, it, nobody should be shocked by this. And there, and there is a confluence of factors that have made it a little bit crazier, as you know, our loyal listener Elbows In points out. The new transfer rules have kind of you know, put this on steroids almost, you know, with all these high profile guys who can enter the transfer portal and are getting promised these enticements or looking for new NIL deals and they're more established players that combined with this is creating an even more crazy environment than what it would have been already. If you just had the previous transfer rules and NIL come on. So it has been, it is truly a crazy time. And I get where, you know, where coaches are coming from. I mean, it has changed the nature of their jobs and I'm sure made being college basketball coach a lot less fun. I, you know, well, I mean, they're, the thing. they're There's making no... good money to do it. So I don't necessarily like, you know, I'm not weeping for them, no. but I do kind of empathize with the fact that, you know, it has made their job a lot more difficult um, yeah. to try and figure out rosters from year to year. Well, it's not, and it's not even that it's that you don't know where it's going to go next. Like yeah. I think people saw collectives coming kind of, but didn't understand the impact they would have. They thought it would be like kid signs a deal with Nike kid signs a deal with a local car dealership. Like, I think that's what most people thought it was going to be. And then you've got the collective starting, which I don't have a problem with the collectives. I think that they was are... inevitable. Anyone who didn't see yeah, that coming. Of I mean... course. No, I know. But I'm saying like casual fans, like casual yeah. people thought, oh, it'll be nice. He can, you know, rep the local restaurant he eats at and get, get some cash, you know. But yeah, the, the collective started. And I think the the goal of the collectives is fine. It, it is, is great and positive in a lot of ways. Some of them are far more disgusting than others. But I think that, there was nothing saying that was illegal. There's nothing saying boosters can't get together and offer kids money to come to a certain school. There's, there, I mean, the, I think the, the NCA issued, you know, a, a directive saying you shouldn't do this, but they never put a rules into place. And so what happened was all the boosters just got together and threw money at kids. And that was going to happen. It, you know, it was inevitable. You're right. Anybody who saw, who saw anything about this. Uh, okay. So they're basically going to get, it's like free agency in a professional sport. Not that I have a huge problem with that, but at the same time, I understand the frustration for coaches is that you could do a really great job recruiting a kid and he's going to go take a contract somewhere else solely because of the money. And that's his right. But it's also weird when you are in that situation, not knowing, well, can I offer him this? What can we do? Um, and so, yeah, it's just nobody knows what's next and nobody knows how to do it. And it's also very new. And I think that everybody will develop a strategy for it and figure it out as it goes. 
but yes, yeah, some of the things are, are, it's pretty crazy. I understand the frustration of coaches. Now the coaches who are saying we need to end this, it's wrong. They're wrong. Mm-hmm. But the coaches, I, I saw Lincoln Riley talk about it, basically saying we need to put some guidelines in place because we need to know what's legal and what's not. And we need to know not only what we can do, but what the people who are recruiting against us can do, you know, so we're all on the same footing. And I completely agree with that. And I've seen other coaches say that too. The key is the NCAA just has to make rules. That's all. And if the rules are bad, people will complain and they will change them. That's, 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 that's it. The same as any other NCAA enforcement. Coach. I, I just, uh, there's a couple things. One, I think the NCAA, I agree with Ryan, uh, really showed a lack of uh, progressive thinking on this and, and their stubbornness in we don't want it at all. And when we don't win, then we're just going to have our hands off was really a lack of leadership. Um, in any business, any job, you have to look forward and try to, you know, beat the competition to a certain spot. If you, if you just, you know, in, in essence, they put a line in the sand and said, we don't like this at all. And then they got beat and then they, you know, their hands are off. The other problem, though, is uh, I'm, I'm all for trying to regulate that somewhat. But the NCAA has been horrible in enforcement and almost every rule that they have down. Um True. They have a book of rules about nutrition and what you can feed athletes and what you can buy athletes. How often you can, you can't take a kid off campus to the airport. um, But a guy can pay 800,000 for Nigel pack and they're going to have their hands off. The NCAA is a mess and it's probably going to cause some issues with division of, of the NCAA division one into different leagues uh, in the future because of their total mismanagement of college athletics, in my opinion. The NCAA um, is signing its own death warrant by not being more proactive. Why? Yeah, and, and and the rules had it, it's it's hard it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube um, with with rules and stuff because it, it's just out there. From a coaching perspective, it is frustrating, but it, it's hard for it's just hard for me to to feel sorry for people making millions of dollars. This is your job now. Adjust to it. Um, you know, th- there is a big adjustment when. It used to be you had to go out and get tape back in my first early coaching days. Now it's all done computer. You just ask someone to send you a, a tape on computer and it's there, which made lazy coaches better coaches because they didn't have to really work at it. Uh, so you can sit and complain about stuff or you can go to work and win the NIL battle. Find a way to do it right or close to right and win your recruiting battles. This this stuff of, all oh, the other guy's got an advantage – well, if he's got an advantage, turn that av- advantage against him and get the job done or get the hell out. Um, you're getting paid millions of dollars. You know, I, I got paid $3,000 this year for six months of coaching. Um, I-, I can't feel sorry for these coaches. You, you, it's just part of it. And life's life's different. It The dribble drive is a new type of offense. If you just want pure basketball, there are other levels of basketball. But if you're going to be high D1 who, who coach said now, that? this is part of it. There was a there was a tweet I saw or somewhere said, if you just want to educate guys and teach basketball, go down to division two and division three. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just big boy league now. And, and, and I'm not sure I like the pay for play stuff that Miami's doing at all, but the NCA made the mess. Uh, and NIL could have been, you come to a school, you're, you're good. You get that car dealership to have you come sign for $2,000 autographs on a Saturday afternoon. That's what it was intended to do. But the NCA just totally dropped the ball. 
um, yeah. on this. And it's sad because the NCAA is going to just dissolve at some point because they've just been horrible. And I mean, you know, and how they handle out discipline, how it's three years later and kids are on campus that don't, weren't even part of the problem. Now they don't get to play. You take away scholarships, which hurt ac academics, but now with NIL, who needs it? But, um, you, you, yeah. you know, you can pay for your own school several times with some of this money. It's just frustrating that the NCA is so incompetent, in my opinion. It is. We've been dealing with that for decades now, so I guess nothing really changes. You know, speaking of NIL, uh, that clearly is going to factor into the decision of a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, uh, and it really changes the equation for guys like that, you know, who are fringe NBA draft prospects, clearly could start making money immediately in either the G league or playing overseas. And I know, you know, right now playing overseas is very fraught and not as attractive of an option. Um, but NIL is going to change the equation for a guy like that. Who's going to be able to make hundreds of thousands of dollars if he comes back to Indiana and Ryan, we saw, you know, he was invited to the NBA draft combine, which is obviously a great sign that, you know, at least a subset of NBA teams are interested in him as an NBA prospect. Cause I think the way that works is the teams essentially vote on who they want there. And then guys who get enough votes are able to go. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see, you know, it's been said that if he's, you know, uh, I think Jeff Rabjohn's reported, you know, that if Trace is in the top 35 or 40, he's going to stay in. And if he's not, he's probably going to come back. You know, you hear, you know, different things. Uh, Alex Bozich had Jeremy Wu from SI.com on his podcast. He's not as high on Trace uh, as some other guys are. But as people have said, it just takes one or two teams, you know, who might have a vision for him, uh, you know, think that his shot is is workable. He's obviously got the NBA pedigree. He's got a good, you know, body, not necessarily the height that you need to play the way that he does, but he's got some things going for him. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see what is your – gut feeling like if you had to handicap it right now you know what do you think of the odds that trace is back in an indiana uniform next year i'd go 51 percent to 49 percent. i think it's very close because i think in his heart trace thinks he can play in the nba or at least play professionally and do very well um i've seen the clips in an open gym of him shooting threes and making them and you know we'll see um but i think that it's a real toss-up for him because quite frankly, other than winning a championship and winning like a big 10 title or something like that, he doesn't really have much left to prove in college. He's put up numbers. He's led the team. He's all that. No, he has stuff to prove on the court, the way he plays, but he could prove that at the combine or, you know, in as a rookie or whatever, but at Indiana, I mean, he's made, he, he took the team from terrible to making the tournament, put him on his back and did that. He's going to be legend, like remembered for that forever. Um, had some incredible performances down the stretch, but I mean, other, again, other than winning a big 10 title and maybe, I mean, if you want to say getting in the top four of the big 10 is a huge deal to a player, I know championships are a big deal. Other than that, he doesn't have a whole lot left to prove maybe making an all America team. I like, I, you know, I just, I think that, you know, if he hasn't developed his game and needs more time to develop his game, he'll come back. If he, if he thinks he's where he needs to be, he's going to go. And Yeah, oh, I agree I, with that. I mean, look, I think, I mean, when he came to Indiana, it seemed, you know, that he was thinking one or two years and be in the NBA, and that hasn't happened. And again, NIL changes that. I would quibble a little bit on him, you know, not having more to accomplish at Indiana. I look at him 
a lot like I look at Yogi. Like, imagine if Yogi had left after his junior year. You know, Yogi would, would have been a good player, a good point guard in IU history, remembered well. Trace would kind of be on that level. And then think sure. about what Yogi no, I, I did his senior year. He elevated himself to legend status. Yeah, no, you know? I, I agree. And Trace but, would but have the opportunity to, to do that. Yogi yeah, also and, won a championship. And Trace would have the opportunity right. to do that. I mean, he'd be coming no, back to I, a I team agree. position to do other, that. Well, I said other than winning a championship, you know, on the court statistically and what he's accomplished as an individual player, he doesn't have a whole lot left to prove. His numbers have been pretty consistent uh, across the you know, Right. The he, he would just, I mean, he would basically be etching his name next to like Alan Henderson in terms of not stats. With that. So yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, there's a lot for him to accomplish here still at Indiana. You know, I do think his he bias is... left to, How about this? How about this? Not left to accomplish, left to prove, I'll say. I, I don't think he has a lot. He, he is who he is as a player, and he's done really well as a player, and he's 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 gone past some career benchmarks as a player. Okay, but, I, I, okay, yes, but, but, and uh, Coach, let me ask you, you know, because we see some of the clips of him, you know, shooting in those open gym situations, and you can't take too much from it except for this. Like, that seems like a shot that could work in a game. And the very few times we've seen him shoot it in a game, it's looked okay. And yet, you know, especially as it went through Big Ten season last year, he got to a point where he wasn't even looking at the basket, you know? And so that part of it, if he adds that to his game, he becomes a first-team All-America type player, All-Big Ten, Big Ten MVP type player. You know, and so that to me is something still to prove, you know, that he can be a multi-dimensional player instead of his legacy being, you know, Trace was a one-dimensional player on offense, got better on defense, you know, so, and those things obviously would help him then develop his game for the next level. Yeah, I, I think where where I agree with Ryan is, I think his game has matured, and, and I don't know other than the jump shot that you see much different so a year of coming back to indiana is that really going to move him up into the first round um especially a, a year older I, I don't know that he can improve his draft stock is is where i would agree with ryan oh, I where agree i agree with, with you yeah. where, I, where i agree with you is to me the most important thing to prove if someone's going to invest lots of money in you is that you have consistent competitive greatness that there were moments where if things didn't go well in the beginning of the game it took a long time for Trace Jackson Davis to get moving. And it took a coach just kind of ripping him in the Big Ten tournament after a half against Michigan for him to come out and be dominant, which then he showed he could do that the next few games and played at a high level. We all know he can play at a high level. But I think there were uh, – and I'm not saying he doesn't have a good motor or anything, but the weight of maybe having to be that superstar kind of got to him at times. And there were – you know, there would be a week or two – uh, a, a week, three games in a row where he just wasn't productive, gotten some foul trouble. We always said play him. You know, you argued to play him with two fouls because it seemed if he sat too long, hard to get going. Well, the pros not only want the, the skills and, and, and all of those things, but they want someone who will show up. Uh, I know they do a lot of resting of players and all that over 82 games, but if you're going to pay for someone, you want someone to go in and play. You see it in the, in the this tournament right now, the, the battling that is going on. And he needs to – that's the most important thing I think he has to prove to himself and prove to the next level, which playing at Indiana would be good. But I'm not sure I see his draft stock moving up with an all-Big Ten, you know, or player of the year type stuff because sometimes you just plateau as a basketball player. Um, but the shot is the one thing that that maybe could make the difference. 
Yeah, I agree. No, I, I'm not sure. You know, if he can improve the shot, you know, then I think he could improve the NBA draft stock. I'm looking at it more, you know, in terms of reasons to come back. I mean, really going to that next level of legend at IU, you know, because he's already done some things that kind of put him, you know, in that category, you know, with, you know, players who have been around for three years and, and accumulate a lot of stats. He would have the chance to go to that next level to the extent, you know, that that, means something to him, uh, you know, and it seems like it does. So we'll see. I'm probably at about 60% he comes back just because it doesn't seem like he has the type of game that translates to the next level enough to be picked that high. But we'll see. Look, I hope he does. I think it would be great for Indiana if he's able to achieve his dream. He shows out at the combine. You know, it's one of those weird things. It's like I'm rooting for him to do as well as he can and get drafted, but the second that he comes back, which is essentially an admission that that didn't happen, I would be ecstatic to have him back, you know, in Bloomington. So it's kind of one of those weird things where you kind yep. of like you're happy with either one. Um, you know, I think he's he's earned the right to go pursue this. And and, you know, it, I, I hope he gets, you know, I hope he gets good feedback. But we will uh, we will see if he comes back. Get ready for Indiana to be on the short list of favorites in the Big Ten next season. And rightfully so, given the roster that they'll have, I think. Um, last thing, guys, before we hit mailbag, let's talk a little bit more about Jordan Hulls. Um, I think we're all excited that he is back. Let me present the devil's advocate argument. I don't think there's a reasonable argument really for why he's not a home run hire, because if you can bring Jordan Hulls back, everything he means, you do it. Uh, I think even if you don't maybe have the requisite experience for the job, sometimes you bet on the person and you just you allow them to learn and grow into it. So to be clear, I am 100% on board with Jordan Hulls. Coach, what would you say to someone who says, wait, he was named recruiting coordinator. He has no recruiting experience. And given how important that is, why are we hiring a guy who's been playing basketball overseas for eight or nine years for a position where we need someone to hit the ground running and do some recruiting? You know, stepping in for pretty big shoes. We, we all know what Brian Walsh did, uh, you know, in that position. What would you say to that devil's advocate argument that I don't actually believe, to be clear? No offense to Brian Walsh, but did we know who Brian Walsh was <laughs> and the job that he was doing? I mean, we kind of did because we're, <laughs> we're fans and we do a podcast, but the casual fans sitting in, in you know, in section F, row 32, that could they even talk about? And again, I'm not trying to dismiss our fans, but a recruiting coordinator, you know what assistant coaches do and you need a shot doctor and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but here's where I think it, it, it was a good hire he's going to get inside uh, doors and then phone calls. Um, and, and he is Indiana basketball playing in Bloomington in high school, uh, being successful, being part of the last group that was a one seed ranked number one, uh, just a typical Hoosier that's going to open um, a lot of avenues. And, and if he works as hard at, at, at this job as he did playing basketball, uh, coming back, doing camps, working on his game as a professional, there's where you bet on that person. And so uh, he'll come in and he'll be watching tape and he'll be able to pick out and talk to the coaches about what kind of players they want. I mean, these coaches all have their niche of where they go get players. Coach Yaw has been doing a good job. Coach Yaw is going to, you know, help him understand here's the type of player I'm looking at. Here's a list of guys that I'm high on, you know, and then Jordan goes to work. Uh, and I've never met Jordan personally, but I can only imagine what, you know, if you're an Indiana fan or, or what he's going to sell the Indiana experience um, I, I just think it was, it was fantastic. It's always good to have that Indiana flavor. We saw the benefits of what's happened with that, with coach Woodson, you know, we all were wondering, do we need an IU guy? Do we not? 
need an IU guy. You need the right IU guys in a program. Uh, unfortunately, we've seen that with some changes recently. But it's nice to have that. And, and also promoting from within. I, and I don't know the name of, of the person that was uh, uh, into the Dobo position, too. But he was uh, yeah. he uh, was moved up within. And what that does is shows you come to work for Coach Woodson and you work hard. He's going to move you up. You move Brian Walsh. That that's a you get hungry people into the bro, program as graduate managers, GAs. Uh, that not only Woodson's trying to win basketball games is number one thing, but he's going to help develop people. He's been in this game a long time in the NBA, and people take care of each other. We were just talking about it in the break that it's about relationships and and those kinds of things. And I think Coach Woodson's fantastic at that, and these hires show that. So, uh, short of a championship. Um, the, the, this offseason's been off to a, a great start. Ryan, what's on your shirt? It's crap. No, no, no. What's that word that's on your shirt that should never be worn during an assembly call podcast? Okay, east side. Now go down. Yeah, but the, Boiler the, factory. Yeah, you know what? I'm sorry, Jared. I was wearing this today. I don't <laughs> I don't accept that apology. That is totally inappropriate attire right? for the assembly the break. It's a food place, isn't it? See, yes. Coach, that's why he wanted us to make him take his shirt off so he can show off his new physique here on the show. I'm not, I'm not this there yet. It's all definitely. part of the plan. It's not shaped part yet. Of the not shaped yet. <laughs> you, you know, Jared, I thought just him sending us pictures of that in our text group was bad enough. Now he wants to do it live, live on the show. We got to draw the line. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, Ryan, your thoughts on uh, on the Jordan? You know, Hall's I, hire. I gave my thoughts on on the Hall's hire in the opening segment. I think it's great. I, I don't I don't see the drawback. I really don't. I don't think there are any negatives to it. Um, I think he'll be great in that position. He knows yeah. Indiana high school basketball. He knows all the coaches you could possibly want to know in the state. He's you know going to be great. And and let's be real, recruiting coordinator or you know he's going to be have multiple jobs. That's just the title they give you. A lot it's of these guys team and recruiting coordinator. So yeah. I don't know exactly what so, else that means, but well, and it just means that he's going to do a lot, you know, keeping I, you guys know, out of the portal. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be a behind the scenes job, probably where he does a lot of things. Doing a curfew check yeah. <laughs> because you know, the assistant coaches are going to handle a ton of the recruiting. So I, I think that it's probably just, you know, window dressing at this point, but I think he'll be fantastic at it. I think he'll be really good. And, uh, uh, you know, it's great to have him back. No, 100%. 100%. Okay. Uh, good segment, fellas. Coming up here on Assembly Call Radio in our final segment, we got a lot of great questions from you folks, including a new mediocre question from Jay uh, and several others. We will answer those when we come back. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Going to be some pretty good uh, games of horse with Woody and Jordan Hulls and Brian Walsh. I'll take Hulls. These guys can shoot it a little bit. Hang on. I'll Those change guys. my shirt. It offends you so much. I honestly didn't even know that word was on there. You don't actually have to change it. It's fine. But (laughs) okay. Guess guess he's going to. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, All right. 
Good stuff here. Uh, Coach, did you get a chance to look ahead at these questions? Uh, a couple of them, yeah. Okay. We don't all need to answer each of them. We can kind of go through and there's a couple of them that are, that'll be kind of fun to answer for all of us. Oh, and I wanted to, oh yeah. I know another question that I want to ask. Hey, there you go. The official hoodie of the assembly call. Much better. I thought the official hoodie of the assembly call was the one that said assembly call on it. No, it's the bison. Dude, they pay us. It's the bison. That's definitely the official hoodie. I mean, I guess they make the assembly call hoodie too, so either way, but we'll go with the bison. All right, let's knock these questions out. Here we go. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of the assembly call. Thank you again, Jordan. This is the assembly call, assembly call radio. I am Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips talking about Indiana basketball. We forgot one headline. Indiana appears to have a team for the basketball tournament. Uh, we've been seeing some things kind of leak out. We are huge fans of the name of this team. Apparently, they're going to be called Assembly Ball. So we we obviously endorse any, infringement. We, we endorse any play on words. Uh, Devonte Green was leaked tonight as the first player. Uh, I, for one, can't wait to watch some more Devonte Green heat check moments. Watch him hit, you know, eight, nine, ten threes. Actually, be really fun to watch him in an environment uh, like that. So it's going to be fun to see who else is on that team. Um, but yeah, I guess the question is: if the team is Assembly Ball, aren't we kind of obligated to do post game shows after their games? Kind of have to, don't we? I think we're at least obligated to have some people from it on the show. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, yeah, we'll help promote them. So, guys, Indiana I've, needs I've an alumni team. Yeah. <laughs> we need an alumni team in the basketball tournament. So, this has been it's been too long uh since we've had one. Um if Tom Crean was willing to coach since he is not working, would you... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> coach starts shaking his head right off the bat. All right, <clears throat> scratch that idea. Um, all right, let's get to uh, let's get to some questions. All of these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community. We've got people joining every single week, and you know we really think you should. Things are obviously a little bit slower now, just because it's not football season, it's not basketball season. We're all kind of taking a break, exhaling after what was a very emotional basketball season. But it's going to start ramping up, and we'd love to have you in there, assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, you can also upgrade to get Tony Adranya's IU Film Room content, which is phenomenal. So check that out, assemblycall.com slash community. And let's go to our first question. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. All right, gents. From Jay, given the current roster and the two 2023 commits, Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton, which current recruit would you be most excited about if they committed to IU? Ryan, I already know who you're going to say. KJ Evans. Well, I thought you were going to say Xavier Booker. No. I yeah. thought it was a disaster if he didn't come to Indiana. Has that changed? <laughs> well, they got Malik Renault, which I said took, it took some of the sting off of that. I mean, obviously. Uh, I think that you need a big guy in that class um i think that booker would be a great fit i think his multi you know the fact that he's so multi-skilled is exactly what mike woodson's looking for um but kj evans is the best player they're recruiting and 
you want to get the best player you're recruiting. And they actually have an in there with two of his teammates already on the team. So, uh, but no, I did. I have been saying that I thought Booker was a tantamount importance and then they got Malik Renault. So I don't think Renault replaces what you could have had in Booker, but I think it really lessens the impact of having that big guy in that class. The th- I see the thing about Renault is he and Booker could really play well together yes, since Booker can could. face up, you know, he can be bigger and guard a taller guy, but he can, yeah, he can step out. I think I would still go him. Uh, I have to admit I mean, it's though. Close. Yeah. I have to admit, I'm very intrigued by Cohen Carr, uh, who is Everybody just is. a super athlete, um, who seems to really take pride on the defensive end. And he certainly seems like the kind of guy that if he gets any semblance of a jump shot, that's maybe – I mean, he could be like a one- or two-year college guy but have a huge impact. Or, you know, he could struggle to adapt. Like, it feels like there's kind of a wide range of outcomes for him. But that kind of athletic talent, and it really seems like that's kind of what Mike Woodson is trying to build, uh, he'd be intriguing too. So, I mean, I think those are the three guys that are probably the most intriguing. Um, Coach, who is uh, – who's tops on your list? Uh, you know me. I, I, I get excited once they sign. You know, but Booker looked really good in the state finals. It's my first chance seeing him play. And, and and I'll just say him too, because he's getting a lot of offers now from around the country. And if you end up uh, getting him to sign, you're starting to beat out some of the bigger schools. So not only do you get the player that's pretty good, well, and the other guy too, the Evans, it's going to be the same way there, but you're starting to play in the big boy pool again. Um, with, with both of those guys. So that to me is more exciting is where the recruiting is going as a whole than, than individuals, but watching the Newton, uh, tapes coming out again, I know they're highlight tapes, but you know, uh, I like that point guard that, you know, crosses people up, goes in, throws down a dunk, you know, in in a half court offense. So, uh, I trust coach Woods and he's done a great job recruiting. He's going to land one of those two big guys. Uh, I think it's a must, uh, to fill out that roster and that that'll complement the guards and wings that he has. So I, I think we're headed in a good place regardless. And they're also recruiting some other shooters, Stojakovic, Dunlap, a yep. couple guys who, who can uh, apparently fill it up. Uh, by the way, I just want to mention this uh, comment that we just got here from Brian Whitaker. He said, I always play your podcast. I'm a FedEx driver and haven't missed an episode. You make my work day better when I can listen and root. It says my thoughts and prayers to Andy and his family. Thank you for that, Brian. That uh, makes us feel it, good, Brian. man. That's why we do this. That is why we do this. Well, that and so that we can rag on Ryan because um, we need that. I've missed that for a couple weeks, man. Um, glad we were able to get back to that. They're always so nice to me in our personal checks, text chain, guys. It's really fun. Ryan, we'd love to have you on the show tonight, man. The lights come on and it's just brutal. It's like getting Uh, hit with a pillow. I I might make that picture you sent my my wallpaper on my phone. I'm so I'm so excited to see you again. But I I didn't send any pictures. (laughs) Just so we're all clear, I don't send shirtless pictures to my coworkers. Not on purpose. National Labor Relations Board going to start an investigation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so a couple of questions that we had in the community uh, that really sparked some debate and some people asked if I would uh, ask you guys on the show. So here's one. Uh, Elbows In wanted us to do this one. So the question was, if you could snap your fingers and guarantee that one of these player skills would take a major leap this season, which one would you pick and why? Okay. And the five options are Trey Galloway's three-point shooting, Xavier Johnson's decision-making, 
Trace Jackson Davis's mid-range shooting, Tamar Bates' perimeter defense, or Jordan Geronimo's ball handling and awareness. Uh, and if you have an other, like if you think that there's one more prominent than those, obviously name it. Those were kind of the five that jumped out to me as the biggest swing skills of the returning guys for next season. Which one would you, if you could just guarantee it and say this is going to happen, which one would you pick? Coach, you first. Uh, to me, it's down to Bates and Geronimo because I think those two guys can impact uh, with their growth uh, the most. They're all good, and, and we wish all of them would would happen. Uh, but if Tamar can play the level of defense that Coach Woodson wants, then I think he gets more run, and and, and then his offense can take uh, off. And I think he brings a scorer's mentality. I don't know if he's a, a fantastic shooter yet, but I think he's capable, and I think he needs to play a lot of minutes. It'll help us uh, the most. Uh, so that would be my number one. Obviously, Geronimo using his athleticism, that would be number two. The other The others are important as well, but if Tamar can guard to the level that's needed, I think that just increases the offense, which was the weak spot of Indiana this this year. Ryan? Trey Galloway shot, 100%. And the reason why is because you saw the difference with how the offense moved. And the team played with Trey Galloway on the floor. It gets bogged down when people don't guard him on the perimeter because they know he cannot shoot. So I don't think it's going to happen. I'm on record saying I don't think he's ever going to have a great shot. Just – the fact that he didn't change his motion between his freshman and sophomore year, really, I just don't think it's going to happen. If that's the case and it doesn't happen, um, I actually agree with probably Tamar's uh, perimeter defense. Um, I think he also needs to work on his offensive game a little bit, but I think the perimeter defense is is, is certainly uh, anything with Tamar because he's got to be a complete player for Indiana. I think that he's he's the he's the high upside guy. You know, I think he has more upside than even the two guys who are coming in next year. Um, for Indiana. I just do. I think he can be a guy that takes over games offensively. So um, that's what my answer is, is Galloway's three-point shooting. But if I had to go with a second, it would be tomorrow. Yeah, for the record, the community, 52% of respondents uh, said Trey Galloway's three-point shooting, Jordan Geronimo's ball handling and awareness were next, and then uh, Trace's mid-range shooting after that. Uh, interesting to think about. The other question we had that really split the community is – of the four incoming recruits who we talked about earlier, Jalen Hutchfino, Malik Renault, Caleb Banks, and CJ Gunn, if you had to bet $1,000 on which one of them will score the most points, the most career points in an Indiana uniform, which one would you bet on? Oof. It's a tough one. It is tough. I know what the community probably said. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I know what the community probably said. I think they're going to say CJ Gunn because he's going to be a four-year player. He was leading for a while. I'd have to look to see the updated numbers. But Caleb Banks, because I think he's going to play four years, and I think he's going to be like a Christian Watford kind of guy who sneakily outscores everybody. That would be my guess. Interesting. All right, let me. I'm see go I was going to go the same way. Um, and Not because Renault, I think he'll ever lead the team in scoring. Yeah, Renault's the best scorer, and depending on yeah. how many years he stays, you could yeah. go with Renault, and I think Renault and Gunn are right there, depending on how soon Gunn gets some run and, and gets into the rotation. I think Gunn's not going to play much. Banks, we not, he doesn't get talked about enough, I think, um, and we'll see. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, Ryan on that one. 
Yeah, the community chose Gunn at 34%, and then it was uh, Jalen Huchifino, then Malik Renault, and then Caleb Banks. That's the thing with Gunn, man. If he plays, he's going to score because that's what he does. I think he just doesn't play as a freshman, so I think it takes one season. You know, he'll play, but not. I don't think he'll play much. So that takes one year off his potential. Yeah, and we're talking. I'm arguing. If you're saying who's the best scorer out of those guys, it's probably Malik Renault. But no, no, but yeah, but who will score the most career points? That's what makes it interesting. I'm going with Banks because I think he sticks around, and I think that he'll play this year and score. Not not a ton, but he's going to have a jump start when Gunn gets started. Is my thinking. My thing is, I think Renault is probably three years. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a guess. Of course it's a guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough one to like answer. A, you know what I'm saying? There's not like a scientific way to really break. Yeah. This it down. really, oh. yeah. I think really it comes down to a few things. You know, what do you think the pro potential is of Hood Shafino, Malik Renault and Caleb Banks? How soon do you think that they might leave? And then how soon do you think Gunn is going to play? You know, because his three point shot on a team that still needs three point shooters, there's a path to him playing this year. He could absolutely you, play. This year. You know, yeah. that's the thing. And so, and if he does, and if he becomes that guy that you're relying on as your shooter, and he hits that upside. Like I said, you know, earlier tonight, his upside is maybe a Corey Kispert type guy. Well, he's going to score a lot of points, but you know, we'll have to see. So it's fun though, to have four guys that multi-talented that you feel pretty good about. Um, that's really the point of the discussion. Okay. Let's hit some of these quickly, Ryan. I know you've got to go. So let me find a good question for you. Um, all right. From Steven, which non IU big 10 player that's still on the fence about the draft are you most hoping will stay in the draft? Possible candidates seem like Malachi Branham, Max Christie, Musa Diabate, Chris Murray, Caleb Houston, Bryce McGowan's, Pete Nance. He's assuming that Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray, EJ Liddell, Jaden Ivey, Kofi Coburn, Ron Harper Jr., and Travion Williams are locks to leave college. Who do you think? Of all those guys, who would you most like to see stay in the draft so that Indiana does not have to face them? Branham's not coming back, I don't think. I'm pretty sure he's going. Coach or me? Either one, whoever has a strong opinion. Chris Murray. Ready for the I, Murray brothers to be gone? Yes. I think, and I think there's upside there given, you know, what his brother did. It, wait, Chris is the, is the not as Chris good. is the one who killed us in the first yes. game. And then and that's, Keegan that's killed us in the second game. Yeah. Cause Keegan, Keegan, well, especially seeing Keegan's development, I would say Chris, I think. Yeah. Coach is going to pick Murray just to spite Fran McCaffrey. Not even for any other uh, Fran's Fran. They won't. Who's win the highest anyway. upside of those group? Of that group? Who's the highest? Probably Brandon or Houston, Christie, right? Oh, yeah, Christy maybe Houston. Yeah. They all. I, I I would say one of the Michigan guys just to help Michigan slide back a little bit. You know, yeah. Houston or was it Diabate or whatever? Um, Pete Nance can stay as long as he wants. Yeah. Ouch. Miller cop. No, I just mean he's not, you know, he's not, he doesn't scare you when you play, you know, like. I think Chris Murray, he passed on the NBA combine. So he may actually be coming back anyway. So. Yeah, you're not going to pass on the combine. Um, All right. And yeah, I would say Max Christer, Caleb Houston, if, if, if Chris Murray isn't an option. And then the other thing that we got here, here's a question from Valerie. So, so we'll get you out of here on this, Ryan. Um, and then, Coach, we can roll through the rest of these. Uh, R- Valerie wants to get your thoughts on this quote from Jay Billis. Did you see the quote from Jay Billis on the Rich Eisen show, your boy? Yeah, if you want to read it for the listeners. I will. I did see it. So Billis said, I get it. 
Like, if I didn't have to pay my employees, I'd be pretty happy with things. But sadly, you actually have to pay your employees, and that's the way the world works. When coaches say this isn't supposed to be what this is about, this is supposed to be about education and mentoring young people and making them into better adults and all that stuff. Okay, if you think this is what it's about, the doors to Division Two and Division Three are wide open. Coach, here's the quote you're talking about. Yeah. And coaching in high school, wide open. There's nothing that's stopping anyone from doing that if that's what you think it's really about. So okay. let me first take aim at the education um, angle. Because, yes, an education is very important, and these guys do get a free education. Everyone talks about, well, that's their compensation. Uh, no, because a lot of these kids who don't know what they want to do, who have only played basketball and essentially cruised by in high school because of their basketball playing abilities, and let's not kid ourselves. That happens all over this country. And these kids come to school. They don't know what they want to do. And essentially a program assigns them a major that is the easiest one for them to get through to get a college degree. They don't say, well, what do you want to do in your future? What do you want to be in the business? Do you want to be in the communications? Do you want? They assign them a pretty easy major to cruise through. Okay. And a lot of these kids are getting so much help from, you know, uh, tutors and whatever. And that's great. I'm glad they're getting it. But at the same time, they don't go to college the way you or I go to college, okay? It's a different experience. It's not – they're there to play basketball. They're there to play football. Some kids take serious advantage of it and understand it and have the foundation to know and be pushed to do that and, and go to the Kelly School and graduate and know that's what they want to do, knowing their future may not be in basketball. A lot of kids across the NCAA – don't do that because they are not told how to do that the best in the best way. And so this idea, not every school cares about the education of its players like Indiana has in, the, in recent years and really turned that around and made it made a key point to make sure that these guys are on campus and they have the opportunity to even get their master's degree if they stay four to five years. Not every school does that. A lot of schools just want these guys to play their sport with as little interaction, with as little problems in school as possible, as few problems in school as possible. When was the last time you heard about a player being suspended for academics in college sports? They have figured out a system and a way to present it where these guys can pass everything without really putting in the effort that a normal student will put in to pass a class. Why? Because they've got this other thing that's basically a full-time job. And so I'm the education angle of that's their conversation. Well, they don't go to school the way we do. Yes, they get a piece of paper at the end that says they went to college, but a lot of them graduate and are not prepared for the world out there. They have been prepared solely to play basketball or football or whatever. And so Jay Billis is absolutely right. Now you want to compare them to employees. I know that's murky because the schools don't pay them directly, like whatever, but quite frankly, this is the world we're in now. And these kids have earned through their play, through their hard work and everything, have earned the right to make money off of themselves. They're not making money off the school. They're not making money off it. The schools that are complaining about this want to make money off of those players' names and likenesses. And I'm sorry, university does not own that. Just like an NBA team does not own their players, those guys can go make their own sponsorship deals. It's the same thing. And the coaches who are high and mighty about it, like guys like Davo Swinney, who said that if players could make money, he was retiring. He didn't retire. He's still making $10 million a year, and he's just fine with it. Like, 
they don't, anybody who is complaining about this, I get the complaints about there need to be some guardrails here, but anybody complaining that it, it, it exists is a hypocritical a-hole. Like, I'm sorry. You'll make all the money you want off the backs of these kids. But the second they start to get a little bit of money, you're furious about it. That is wrong. It is, it is, it is completely wrong. A free market has allowed you to make as much money as you can to coach a game. That same free market dictates what those players can make off their, off their likeness. They have worked hard for it, and they absolutely deserve it. And if there is a market out there to pay them while they are on college campuses, they should be able to take advantage of it. Okay. Well said. That's, a, that's like a mic drop. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in the mood to argue. No, there's no argument there. You're right on everything. That's a mic drop moment right there for you. There's a couple things that, that Ryan brings up too, is like some of these coaches are upset that they've lost um, a little leverage. You, you know, a, a Clemson coach or someone else had all the leverage of either recruiting because they're the national championship or because their bag droppers were better when it was under the table. And now you, you have yeah, that's the thing. get a collective. And so thing. these people are all complaining about, Oh, this is horrible now, horrible now. Well, you are the benefit in some of these schools of that under the table stuff too. And the fact is the SEC in football and basketball was not paying kids the same amount they're making with NIL. They absolutely were. They were just doing it, as you coach said, under the table with bags of cash and McDonald's bags. We we know that story. Like it was already happening. Now everybody can take advantage of it. That's the only difference. And it's not being done in the shadows. And and the other the other thing is that the money has exploded um over the years that the schools make, the coaches make, and the only ones who didn't. And if you did want to say that the the eighty thousand or hundred thousand uh, dollar education is compensation. That that is uh, not a fair price for the amount of time they have to put in, the travel, all of those things, and, and you know the revenue sports especially. But you also have the non-revenue sports. These kids put a lot into it. That the ability, um, you know, to do things a little bit differently really benefits uh, the athletes. You know, you have you have a sport like baseball with eleven point seven scholarships. <laughs> Some of that NIL yeah. money is going to help pay the rest of their tuition to to play a college sport if they can at, at a big baseball school like an SEC school too. Um, you know, so uh, absolutely right. It's a, it's a different game. We we can sit here and, and especially us older. Uh, people knew how it was back in the day, but there was money being exchanged back in the day. We just didn't hear about it. And then the NCA would rarely, you know, do anything about it again. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Unless you were a team or athletic program that was upsetting the balance, they would never go after you. They went after schools like Miami. They went after schools like USC. They went after schools that were doing something different than had always been done. And they picked where they went after people. North Carolina basketball didn't get hit hard despite making up classes any of the they that's what they go after and so now that it's out in the open everybody can do it openly now again totally saying there need to be guardrails in place i completely agree there need to be guidelines for what's legal what's not legal what can be done whatever but anybody complaining that kids are now getting paid and it's not the same game oh shut up Cheers. Cheers. Good note to end on, Ryan. I got to get right. out of here, guys. Go talk about the, everybody. Go write about the Sixers. I will. What a collapse, man. Yeah. Later, guys.
All right, see you, man. Uh, Coach, let's hit these final questions from JD. Ceiling and floor for next year's team with and without Trace, assuming no one else leaves and we don't add anybody else. What do you think? I I, I think the ceiling is top two or three in the Big Ten and a a top five seed. Um, I think that's within grasp. Things are going to have to go well, uh, and and the the roster is going to have to gel, and you're going to have to win a game uh, against Arizona or something like that early and then win more games than you did against upper echelon Big Ten teams. That That's the major concern from the basketball standpoint is nine, seven of our nine wins were against teams that played in the first uh, day of the tournament. Um, that Big has to tournament. be better of oh, the Big Ten tournament. Yes. So um, but that's the that's the ceiling. And, and to get there in two years is just impressive. Part of that is some other schools kind of falling down and I, I think if tjd's not there i think you get a top sixth you know uh and, and you're you're sitting there in a six seven eight seed type uh, of thing because we still have some of the same issues with some of the same guys that have coming back and a, a new class of freshmen who have to learn college basketball uh I, I am very careful and cautious not to jump to the top five top ten kind of discussion because it was such a good year it was close to being a little bit disastrous if we don't make a comeback uh, against Michigan. The whole tone of all of this is is quite different. So you got yes. we all got to keep that in mind. But but I think you can be a top two or three team with TJD. And and to to be honest with you, there's a chance to be that without him, um, because I just believe in what what what's happening here and the adjustments the coaches will make from their errors in year one. Um, but. You know, I, I just think we're we're back into discussion now of being a year-to-year contender. And, and the Big Ten, even in a down year, if it's down next year, Jared, uh, is competitive. And finishing, you know, four, five, or six in some years gets you a pretty good seed as, as well. So um, I, I'm excited about it because I think the tournament is, is, you know, the absolute bottom of where we would be regardless. And then Philip had this question, which he directed specifically to you. Has Coach seen C.J. Gunn play? Does he believe he will be in the rotation? I've heard he's a good shooter with elevation and can pull up on a dime. Great at getting his shot off. I have not seen him play live. Uh, I've just seen tapes and, and games on television. And he does have some ability. I like his jumper. Um, and I just like his ability to score. Uh, I don't know that he'll make the rotation right away this year because – uh, as you see, a lot of kids uh, like a Tamar Bates, the the uh, move to college is a huge learning curve, uh, and I think your three stars and your four stars have to find a niche. Will there be a game or two where he comes in, plays ten or twelve minutes, pops for fourteen points, wins a game for IU? Yes, I believe that to be happen will happen. To be a consistent rotation player, I don't know that I see that with. Uh, the the hope of Tamar pl- improving his game, Geronimo improving his game, Galloway and the guys that we have back from the rotation last year, um, I, I think he's going to be uh, in a in a supportive role. And if he does get more run, Jared, it'll be you know in the second half when you see. You know, we always go back to Jawan Morgan and and OG that year where they just kind of were feeling things out, got a little more play uh, at the back end and contributed. Uh, and then the next year, their sophomore year. They were ready to really contribute at a higher level. That's where I see C.J. Gunn. But I, he's good to have because, you know, if you do need a, a burst, you're down six or seven or eight, and you know he can go in for a few minutes and and get you some points. Uh, I do see I do see a role, but I think it'll be 
uh, a minimal marginal role and specifically game planning uh, in his freshman year. Yeah. I mean, the thing with him, you know, his niche would be the shot. You know, if right. he can come in on a team that doesn't have a lot of proven three-point shooting and be a three-point shooter, he may be able to find minutes. The question is, it's a big adjustment for shooters. And a lot of guys take a year, you know, even good shooters can take a year to acclimate. And plus, defensively, we know Coach Woodson right. is going to play the guys who play defense. So it is going to be an uphill battle. But if he can, if those two things, if he, you know, is able to develop quickly, he'll have a path because, you know... It, he may be one of the best three-point shooters on the team as soon as he steps, you know, on campus. But how will that translate to the games? That's what we'll have to see. Uh, but I think he—I really think he's an interesting long-term prospect uh, for Indiana because you know everything that Philip described about him is true. I mean, he's got good yep. elevation on his shot. You know, he's a pretty good athlete. He seems like a tough kid. He played in a winning program, um, so there's a lot to like about him. It may just take a year or two for it to fully materialize. Right which is, you know, for a guy ranked where he's ranked, that's what you would typically expect. That's the normal. Yep. You know, think about Armand Franklin, who really struggled as a shooter his first year, you know, and then his second year really got comfortable and the shooting came around. You know, maybe something similar for a guy like C.J. Gunn. Last question, Coach, from Jeff. If the season started tomorrow with the current roster, who is the five you want on the floor at crunch time? If TJD doesn't return, who would it be? A lot of unknowns here because we haven't seen some of the guys play, but just based on what you know, who would be your crunch time five? I, it, boy, that's hard, but I'm going to go. Obviously, race has to be uh, a, a part of that. Uh, the way X played down the stretch, uh, he's got to be a part of that. Uh, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go the two Mount Verde players because they're part of a championship program. Uh, I, I think they can do some things. If they get to a level where they can compete, I want hood Shafino out there for a second ball handler and a defender and Renault can do some, some things. Geronimo might be, be in there at some point. And then it's going to come down to, to who, who you're going to play at the three and what you need. Uh, if you're behind, you might, you know, want a shooter at that three. So is it Geronimo cop? Probably not Galloway. If you need shooters, Tomorrow. if you need some toughness, uh, you maybe put, you know, a, a Galloway in there uh, because I, I think he's a winner. Um, but, yeah, I think it's – for me, it's easy. There are at least – without TJD, there are four guys right now. And really, the two freshmen, I'll have to see him play. That could change, you know, early. Um, Tamar could be in there. Cop uh, could be in there um, as well. So, I, I know I didn't go through a, a whole five, but I gave you – you know, pick who you want to fill in for there. I, I just, and, and again, maybe it's my crimson colored glasses. Those, those two kids from Mount Verde know, know how to play. And I think they know how to win. And I think at some point they're going to um, be those players that, that are in key moments. Uh, you know, it changes if TJD's there. You know, the thing I, I, I really like our team for next year. I love kind of mixing and matching the pieces because there's so much talent. But the one thing, and I could kind of see it going through your head as you're putting those lineups together, the one thing that's going to be a struggle again next year is finding lineups with enough shooting. Because, you know, X, obviously a guy who was pretty good as a catch-and-shoot guy last year, and he may get more of those opportunities, you know, if he's able to play off ball more with Jalen Hood-Shafino. 
I agree. I think Jalen Huchifino is going to start from day one, and I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. Um, you know, I think he's going to be more along the lines of a Yogi Romeo type freshman than a Christian Lander, you know, type freshman. Um, but he's not known as a shooter coming out of high school. And again, guys, a lot of times struggle with shooting. So that right there at best, you probably have subpar three point shooting. Okay. At best you have decent three point shooting more than likely you have subpar three point shooting from your one and your two. So that means you have to get it from your three. Right. And so is that going to be Tamar? You really hope so. Like I almost, I almost think Tamar's three point shooting should have been in that swing skill question. Because you really need him to be a guy who can threaten you, yeah, as a shooter. You know, because you're right. Like, you know, Mike Woodson likes to have Trey Galloway out there for the defense. But if you have X and Trey and Jalen Huchifino playing together, you got no, you know, proven perimeter shooting that really scares anybody. And you're not getting it from your big guys, you know, whether it's Race or Trace or Malik Renault, you know, unless you're able to play Miller Cop or Jordan Geronimo at the four, you know, and their three-point shooting comes around. So you know, I think we need to prepare ourselves for two things. You know, a team that is going to enter the season probably in the top 25, especially if Trace comes back, top two or three in the Big Ten, and a whole lot of potential. They'll be good defensively. They're going to be athletic. They're going to have a lot more ways to score this year. But we're not going to be a good three-point shooting team again. And it's going to be frustrating all season long unless guys who are already on the roster really take big steps forward. And that's the thing that I think is hard for Indiana fans to see because we haven't seen that development in shooting. Like we saw in the Crean years where you saw Christian Watford get better every year, Hulls get better as a shooter, Oladipo get better. We haven't seen that. But, man, that to, you know that's going to be the difference between this being a, a top 25-level team and possibly a Big Ten championship top 10 team. They've got the, the physical ability to do it, the size, the athleticism, all that stuff. Will they be able to make open shots? And you can kind of feel it when you start putting these lineups together. It's like, man, I like all these guys. These are fun parts and pieces. That lineup's going to be fun. It's just going to be clanking a lot of shots, <laughs> you know, unless yeah, guys develop. So No, they, they have to develop because I think Indiana got open shots last year. Uh, if we go back and, and do a show on that, they, they, you know, they got some open shots. But our shooters were easy to guard last year yeah. to know where they were going to be. When that started changing, the offense got a little better. Um, but I also think your shooters need to be multiple, uh, dimension guys as well. So it makes a closeout difficult. If you know, you're a dead three, you're going to fly at someone and fly by someone to get them off, run them off the three point line. And, and that causes some misses when it isn't, uh, you know, you're open, but you, you know, guys have been flying by all year or that if you could also shot fake and drive off of that, now you got defense on your scouting report. Like, okay, this guy can shoot a three, but he also can drive. We want to take away the drive. Well, then that shortens up the closeout, maybe gives you more open shots. I'm hoping that's the the case with Indiana, that you have guys who are capable of shooting another year of confidence, continuing to get open shots. Um, but when, you know, you have someone who can't shoot Galloway, you could play for the drive. When you have Parker Stewart and Miller cop, you can lock them down close and close out hard on them. If you do help off of them, you can close out hard because you, you actually want them to drive. But when you get the more athletic people out there doing that, now you're going to be in rotation on defense and that ball can pop and that one more passing. And so maybe yeah. better open shots lead to better three point shooting. But until we see it, uh, that's going to be a pitfall probably for this team until we know for sure um, 
that when that ball's open, when the shot's open, it's going to go in more times than not. And we just don't have that quite yet. We haven't seen it. It has no. to develop if it's going to be there. If Tamar and Trey Galloway can be credible three-point shooters, this is a top 10 team. I, I firmly believe that. It's a big if. I, I can't go there yet. I would. I think that's what they're missing. Like that that guy who can drive and shoot. If those guys are right, credible. Right, right. That's what I, mean. I was just if saying. If those guys are credible. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying if that happens, that's how good that you know, that's how good I think this team can be. But we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be a fun team. I can't wait for the season. Um definitely going to be a fun it's team. It's a ways away. I, I need my May. summer vacation. <laughs> don't, don't don't take my summer away from me. I know. I know. Um all right. That is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. Great to be back. Uh, if you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logos. Thank you for listening. We will be back next Thursday night, back to our regular schedule to talk IU hoops with you again. Until then. Take it from me, Jordan Halls. Keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. Good to be back with you, Coach. Good to be back. That was fun. That was fun. Time to go see if the Mavericks can stay alive. They're winning. I I have it on, but I don't know the score. It was within three or four at one point. They're up nine. I mean, they're going to go lose in Phoenix if they win this one. But What is it, 3-2 Phoenix? Yeah. The home team has won, pretty much controlled every game. So, all right. Well, thanks for being how's here, everybody. The, how's the USFL going for? Man, it's going all right, but my dead. dad's team, they're one and three. They've lost, like, all these close games. It's, you know, those leagues, it's about the quarterback. I mean, all yeah. football is about the quarterback, but it's really about the quarterback in leagues like that, and they just don't have a quarterback that makes plays, unfortunately. So they'll get up at halftime – but then they always lose late in the game because the other team's quarterback is just better. So that kind of stinks. <laughs> kind of stinks. And he had like the, you know, he was part of the best teams in the AAF and the XFL, but both those leagues ended before they actually got to do the playoffs and the championship. So now this team is, this team is struggling. Is he enjoying it? Well, he loves it. I mean, if he, I mean, he's, they're in Birmingham. So he's just like in Birmingham for like three months. They don't even come home. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, he's a football guy. So as long as he's right. doing football, he's happy. You know, I'm sure he's not enjoying the losing quite so much, but <laughs> he loves being around. No, football. but you're right. There is something about when you're in it, you're in it. And yeah. In it, part of the so. team, get the competition, you know, of game day. So that's. Yep. That's what he's all about. So, all right. All right. Thanks, chat mob, everyone listening. Appreciate it. Good to see you guys. Coach, we will see you next Thursday. Sounds good, my friend. Have a good week. See you, everybody. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. 
Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows all state to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. All state fire and casualty insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.